0: Hey, Taylor, good to see you, my friend. Good morning. Here in just a minute, we're going to be talking about how to sell a house in a weekend. I think everyone should be interested in that. Welcome, everyone, to The Real Investing Show. This uh, I am uh, co-host Stephen Earp with my, my co-host. Co host, the great Taylor Davis. We're both co hosts, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, with your co
1: host, Taylor Davis.
0: Yeah. My, my co host, <laughs> the great Taylor Davis. So. The great. Yeah.
1: I'm up there with Alexander.
0: You and Alexander. Yeah. Have in, in common the, the middle name and the last name. The great Taylor, the great Alexander, the great.
1: Uh, Same middle name as
0: John the Baptist, you know.
1: The see. Yeah. It's the, the middle word. the middle name's got to be the, And that's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk about today. We just recently sold a house in a weekend. Yep. Thanks to you and your team. Yep. And so we thought we would debrief a little bit on that and uh, and how how to sell a house in the weekend so we could maybe talk a little bit about what we did. So this is a property. This is a property that we uh, my team and I purchased back in June. And then now, as you know, we're recording this in October, so this is um, we started working on it. I guess it was July before we started work. You know, really took it over and started working on it. So July, August, September. So we we worked on it three and a half months, put it on the market, and uh, we put it on the market, and you guys listed it, and it it sold over the weekend. So first, maybe a little bit of what we did to get it ready to sell, okay, and some things that we we did. Um, so we, you know, we went in. It mainly needed cosmetic stuff, um, you know, carpet. We replaced the countertops, carpet. In um, one of the bat, I mean, we we replaced the tile in a couple of places. We made the uh, fireplace. We did some Pinterest work on the fireplace, so it didn't look like it was from 1982. Um, it doesn't cost a lot. You can get a lot of ideas from Pinterest, by the way. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, we repainted all the cabinets and we put new cabinet doors on them. So it looks new, but, but the bones were original. Um, we um, trying to think of what else we did. That, that was, that was mostly what it needed was minor things like that. Then minor things, we replaced some light fixtures, doorknobs, um, plugs and outlets, just things that are mainly cosmetic. And it really was kind of sparkling. And yep. then... Then we went in, my daughter went in and did like uh, a cross between staging and light staging or soft staging, mm-hmm. um, set up a bed in one bedroom. It wasn't a real bed, by the way, you can make a bed, what looks like a bed out of cardboard boxes. Yeah. Um, we set up an office in one room, you know, we had the cookbook in the kitchen with some dishes out, the cabinet, you know, the, the, the closets had some shelving and things like that. So the house was staged. And then we staged the the outside as well, doing landscaping. With landscaping staging, we like to use those big pots because you can take those big pots with really nice blooming plants, and you can see it from the street. Adds to the curb appeal significantly. Landscaping is a huge return on your investment. We found um, most homes don't invest any money in landscaping when it comes to uh, rehabbing and flipping. So for five hundred bucks, or a thousand bucks, or fifteen hundred bucks, you can make. A house like really pop if you invest some in, in landscaping. But an additional hack to landscaping is by setting up those using those huge landscaping pots. You could buy them at Lowe's or Home Depot and buy the plants that are, um, you know, buy the plants that are already, you know, large and blooming in that moment. Yeah. And so that you set them out and they look good. And then we set up a temporary watering system. It costs less than a hundred bucks. And so it can water the pots and the flowers. Things like that. So we set it up like that. Um, we got a hold of your team and uh, and we said, "Hey, can you guys help us sell this house?" So, can you talk to us about how you went about pricing the house? What was your process? Like, I know you did like photography and stuff. So let's talk about what did you guys do to take this house? Because we literally listed it with you like on a Monday or Tuesday, and then like there were multiple offers by the end of the weekend. It was like done less yeah. than a week. So, so it was you one call,
1: week. you called me on a, I think it was a Monday and said, Hey, this house is ready. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to list it. Uh, do mm-hmm. do your thing. Yeah. Uh, so then we start getting things prepared <laughs> and we, you know, I go out, look at the property, um, get an idea. By the way, I want to take a quick note and say, you're kind of the exception of the rule. Cause you've got a lot of experience with this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to highly suggest to people, investors, utilize your team. Remember you're building a team around you and that could be your contractor. That could be a property manager. Uh, if you, when you get to that point, that could be your real estate agent, that could be your deal finder, which could be a real estate agent or a wholesaler. Your job is to put a team around you that, that helped you achieve what you're wanting to achieve. If you've got a great real estate agent, bring them in earlier on in the process. Now you brought me in after it was all done. I actually really like when a a client brings me in when they're in the decision making process of what Mm -hmm. they're doing to their house, because I'm very familiar and a good agent is very familiar with what's going on in the market and what buyers expect. So where a lot of investors, you know, they may be looking at it through a national perspective rather than a local perspective. So Mm -hmm. I may know that, hey, it's not that big of a deal if we don't do X, Y, and Z. Yet we really need to do these things to get the highest return on investment. And so my favorite time to come into a project is actually when they're wanting to get ready to go on the market. I will walk through and do a free consultation of like, here's what I would do and here's what I don't do. Because I've had people spend way too much money on things like Windows or... A, a, a new AC unit when the old one's still working. I mean, things like that, that they think is going to bring value because they may perceive it as value or they may have read an article that said that would provide value. But mm-hmm. honestly, at the end of the day, that isn't what's going to bring the most value back where mm-hmm. you nailed it. Curb appeal is going to be a big thing. Paint is mm-hmm. relatively cheap and is going to be a big thing. Doing some minor updates of the kitchen staging, preparing for it. Then I come back through in most cases after we, so we have that initial consultation. I give them their work. You know, here's, here are the things that I would do. Here are the things I wouldn't do hand that to them. Then they, they do that. They call me back out. I walk through the property again. Usually I call it the last 2%. Uh, usually there's a handful of things, even in this case, like I took a couple of pictures and I was like, because here's the deal. When you're in the project day after day after day, you start to become blind to what is and isn't there. Mm -hmm, Uh, and So getting a fresh pair of eyes that are going to look at it like a buyer would uh, and come through and go, Hey, you know, I would touch this up. I would touch this up and then we're good. Yeah. So I kind of have the last kind of couple of things that they need to do. And then I go through and I, if it's their primary residence, I'm going to coach them on staging, using what they already have, maybe adding or taking away some things. Uh, In your case, you had it already staged. If it's a vacant house, I highly encourage at least soft staging. And you kind of went a hybrid where you had some furniture there or in the bedroom, what looked like furniture. Uh, yeah. And we've used air mattresses before, you know, they make those air mattresses that are, that are like, I don't know, 18, 20 inches tall. Uh, yeah. And we, we've made beds before to stage a bedroom that way um, using air mattresses. But Um, so you, you stage the house, soft staging really is the, the, the decorative items like on a bookshelf, um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, in the bathroom, on the mantle, in the kitchen, some of those things that you were talking about. Uh, I highly encourage getting that ready. So then once we're ready, we have our process and we, we have our system. So we, we pay a professional photographer. So go go ahead. You don't
0: mind. Let me just interject here. So something that for our listeners viewers, wherever you're watching from, It's really important. If you want to invest in real estate, it's really important to work with a realtor or a real estate agent that knows investing. Every real estate agent says they know investing. (laughs) But my preference is to have agents that know investing because they actually invest. There's a big difference. Every licensed agent will tell you, oh yeah, we can help you with that. Oh yeah, we know about the market. We have the license. But listen, there is a whole nother level of knowledge when you take your own money, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or more millions of dollars, and invest your own money in real estate and you're learning that way. Experiential learning is entirely different than just reading about it in the book. So, my suggestion to you is find an agent that that is actively investing in real estate himself or herself. And so uh, because you you're not gonna have all this not honestly if they're not actively investing themselves in your local market then whatever they tell you about your house is just an opinion yeah it's not actual experiential knowledge so anyway
1: I would say that yeah one of the best things that I've done for my clients and it came from a selfish move is having invested a lot myself because I know where the contractors are I know what's I know where I've Overspent and where I've underspent, yeah. uh, and where that came back to bite me later, and so I've gone through that, and so um, and built a team around that, and so our team has these standards. So even you know when you when you hire uh, a team, uh, if they have those standards in place, you
0: you get that benefit. So yeah. okay, um, so talk to us about you've got the house ready, you got it staged, it's ready to go. Now talk to us about the listing part. So as an agent, now I know. A lot of our viewers are not agents but like as an agent like give us some tips. What did you do to get this house like ready to sell it and list it and get it sold in like yeah, 4 days or whatever it was, 3 yeah, days. Yeah, so we
1: listed I think we ended up listing I think we ended up listing on a Friday actually and then we had uh I think our first offer Saturday and our our Sunday and we had two offers by Sunday and then we ended up getting a third by Monday. Uh, when we called for highest and best, and we'll kind of go through that process. So, step one, you got to market it, and you have to understand the psychology of a buyer. So, in today's world, like you have to have professional photos. I literally like, oh my gosh, there's a there's a. Uh, I'm in a group text with some friends that are real estate agents here in the area, and they sent. I, I got a picture yesterday, dude. This brand new listing that came on the market yesterday, yeah, is a picture. From inside the car, and about thirty percent of the picture is the dashboard of the car. Like they didn't even roll the window down and stick it out of the window. Yeah, and that's the primary photo, right? So, like, yeah. what, what, what am I buying? You know, like anyway, it drives me nuts. So, pay, you know, a professional photographer, um, professional photographs will help the house sell faster and uh net you more money in the end and it's very important if you're paying a professional that they understand what they're doing what you're paying them for and it's not for you know people that have 50 years of experience that's great that's not what that's not all that you're paying for you're paying for best practices and they need to be doing best practices so they need to be coaching you on staging and they need to pay a professional photographer those are the two things that will make a difference uh, another option that you can do if you don't want to pay for staging, you can pay for virtual staging because in today's world, 98% of people start shopping online, right? Now, I tell my clients this all the time. M- my job is uh, is not to sell your home online. That's rarely going to be the case. I mean, we've done it maybe five times this year where somebody bought a house sight unseen, um, but it's, it's definitely the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. But- people will absolutely eliminate your home from the couch, right? So my job as the listing agent is to do everything I can to prevent them from eliminating your listing mm-hmm. from the couch because that or they're from their phone because that's where they're deciding what to look at. So first thing I want to do is uh, make sure that I'm positioned market-wise with best practices. So photos and staging. Um, then we take that and, and and this is the other part. You've got to understand your market and you've got to price it correctly. This is the most critical piece, in my opinion, to netting the most money. And it seems counterintuitive because a lot of people think that the way to make the most money is to price it higher and now you've got some negotiating room and you do that. That's a setup for for failure in my 15 years of experience. And when I price my own properties, I, I don't try to... I push for what I think the actual top of the market for that property is, but I do not go beyond that. One of the things that you also need to understand is um, how buyers are looking. So buyers are mostly looking online, and in most cases, they're either going to be typing in a price range, and we all go to like, have you ever have you ever gone to uh, two hundred and three thousand dollars as a price range?
0: No, I have not.
1: No, you go to two hundred, right? Right. That, so we always have these stop points and they're always round numbers. And in a lot of websites, there are drop down boxes. So it's like, I'm going to select between 150 and 200, right? So mm-hmm. if the comps tell me that your house is worth $203,000, where should I price it?
0: $199.
1: You should price it at $200 or, like, or, or $199, okay. 200 right? Okay. Because you want to hit, I would rather go to, three four five maybe even ten thousand dollars it depends on the market in today's market I probably wouldn't but up to about five thousand dollars under what the comps tell me yeah so that I get all of these buyers because what's gonna happen is if I go to 205 let's say um I am going to be competing with houses that are from 200 to 250. Maybe 200 to 225, depending on what they're looking at. But in most cases, 50 thousand dollar increments. If I'm at a 205 house and you're looking at houses that are 250, what does my house look like in compared to the other houses that you're looking at? Yeah, I'm the crappiest house of what you're looking at. Yeah. Now, if I'm at 150 to 200, and I'm yeah. really a 205 house, but I'm at 200, right. where am I then? Mm. You're at the you're at the it's you're not- one of the nicest houses. Right. right, And so when you compare that, you want to make sure that you're pricing it, understanding where those price breaks are, understanding what the comps say. And you have to understand where the market is. I remember in 2008, 2009, having conversations with sellers and saying, hey, there are comps over the last six months that have sold that tell me your house is worth $150,000. But the truth is, because of all of the homes that are on the market right now at $150,000, your house is only really worth one hundred and forty. dollars Even though I could point back and say there are comps, that was because we were in a declining market, a depreciating market. In today's world, like your house, we're in an appreciating market. Even now as interest rates have rose, the numbers still show that we're in an appreciating market and you have to understand that. So while the comps in your immediate area... Uh, and at the front of the neighborhood, really put it at like 175 to maybe 185, and that would be a stretch. Mm
0: -hmm. When
1: you look at what's available on the market, which is how a buyer views properties, they don't care what they could have bought a home for six months ago or what things sold for six months ago. They care about what can they get right now that's the best value for them based off their needs.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is when you're pricing the house to sell it, as an agent, you want to look not just at the comparable sales because the comparable sales could be three months ago, six months ago. You want to search for what a buyer would look for in order to see this property <coughs> yep. and see how this specific property is positioned amongst compared the those. Yeah. Compared to the ones that are available right now. Yes. Because, because the buyer is not going to be looking at houses that were sold six months ago and comparing them to your house. No. The buyer is going to be looking at houses available today Correct. and comparing Correct. them to your house. 100%. That's really insightful. Did yeah. you learn that? Like, is that common among agents or is that like no, something you just learned over I experience? Think
1: that, well, I, I think it's common among best practices. When you really right. follow people that do best practices, they do this. So I have right. to sell a house twice in most cases. Right. So I have to sell it to the buyer and then I have to sell it to the bank. Because almost everyone's getting a loan right yeah. now, the the six months comps, which a lot of people, most agents just look at that. That's selling it to the bank, right? That's yeah. how an appraiser is going to look at it, and and we have to take that into consideration. And if you recall, when we were when when I brought you the offers and we talked about it, we had a conversation around, hey, you know, we got this part under contract. we got it under contract. Now the next hurdle, the most that I'm concerned about, is the mm-hmm. appraisal. And we'll take that one piece at a time. And there are ways to make good arguments to an appraiser. When you are listing it, you are selling it for the first time. That's to the buyer. And you have to position yourself to where this is the best value to that buyer. So the buyer that would be looking at your home, what are they concerned about? Well, they're probably concerned about the school district. That's in a, we, we want to look at that school district. They probably are looking in this area. So we want to take a, a, a radius around the mm-hmm. area. Right. Um. They're looking at price, right? So we knew that this was going to fall between 150 and 200. So I went 150 to 200 to see what is available out there. And in my opinion, we, we were able to list this and we listed it at 189.9. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were actually able to list it for more than what you thought. Yeah. uh because and, and and actually more than what the sold comps told us to list it at the sold comps told us closer to 180 um right. but we can pull different comps to 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 justify that but the market right now what a buyer's willing to pay for it says 190 or potentially more and so we put it in a position to where um buyers would move on it because that's the goal is we've got to get buyers to move in a timely manner and here's why this is so very important. If you hear one thing, hear this. We make decisions based in emotion. We like to think that we're logical. We rational logically, but literally the part of our brain that allows us to make a decision is the emotional part of our brain. Right. Okay, when you understand that and you understand that the lar- the most important emotion to our brain is fear, we make the most decisions out of fear. So what happens when a house has been on the market let's say the average days on market's 2 to 4 weeks and this house has been on the market for 3 months what as a buyer what's the first thing you ask
0: What's wrong with this house if no what's one else wants it? it why would I want it
1: Right that's a fear-based question correct mm-hmm. You're not right. saying oh look here's an opportunity you're mm-hmm. saying there's there's fear here and the reason you're saying that is every other buyer out there has decided against this house, mm-hmm. okay? What do they know that I don't know, right? Right. And so that taps into this fear of making a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Now, let's flip it. Let's put it on the market. Let's get several showings in there. Now, what are they afraid of?
0: Someone else going to buy this bad boy. I got to buy fear
1: it. Of missing out. So you've got to, you have to understand the way buyers work psychologically and go, okay, we have to, we're going to tap into a fear one way or another. Which fear do we want to tap into? We want to tap into the fear of missing out. So we want to make it feel like this is that there's competition and there are other people that are interested in this and I don't manufacture that, but I price it accordingly and I market it appropriately so that we actually generate some interest. And then we get, once we get the first offer, we go through and we call everyone that's shown the property and we go, Hey, we've got an offer on this. Are you want, before we accept it and, and move on, you know, and this is gone, did you want to make an offer?
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: through doing that now mm-hmm. we've got then we get another offer. And the second we get multiple offers, we're in the winning seat. And here's why, because at that point, so on Sunday, we got our second offer. At that point, we knew that the best thing to do, um, and in most cases, I go and I present this and I go, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, what would you like to do? Here's my advice. Mm -hmm. You and I have a a trust. You literally called me on Monday and said, do whatever you want. Just bring me in. price it how you need to sell it. Give me as much money
0: as you can. Yeah.
1: Right. So I'm like, hey, we got these offers. Here you go. Yet, uh, we're going to go multiple offers. So we go into a multiple offer procedure. And that's where we say, hey, we've got multiple offers. Everybody come back with your highest and best by this time and this date. And by doing that, we not only were able to uh, get an offer up fairly significantly, uh, I think $8,000, if I remember correctly. Um, So they jumped up another Mm $8,000. In addition to that, we were able to get another offer. Uh, Mm -hmm. It bought us a little bit more time to get another offer. So then we were able to look through and go, hey, What's the best offer? And that's how we were able to get you above asking price for your property and, and net you yeah. the money.
0: Oh, and it was only on the market for two days. It was only yeah. really on the market for the weekend. I mean, it's listed yeah. on By Friday. the way,
1: that's another strategy. We only list on Thursdays or Fridays. Statistically mm-hmm. speaking, those are the best days to list. Um, mm-hmm. And it's shifted a little bit with the market, but because you want the fewest amount of days on market before your offer. So you want the most amount of people to come in. So my favorite... We may do a coming soon strategy where we're advertising it. Hey, it's going to be coming up soon, mm-hmm. and then on Friday we actually launch the listing, mm-hmm. and on Sunday we have an open house, and then we're saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, we got multiple offers on Monday." That's that is the goal, especially in today's market, and it's super achievable.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So, so thanks. Well, first of all, just uh, officially, thanks for selling the house we were wanting to sell for more than, for more than the asking price. And selling it in two days, yeah. At a time when when the interest rates have doubled within the last six to nine months. Oh, so.
1: real quick in today's market, uh-huh. don't. Uh, I've seen some people that are uh, like agents will be like, "Oh, this is on only on the market for four hours." You left money on the table if that's the case. So yeah. don't sell it too quickly either. Like you want if there is a sweet spot. If you sell it immediately, mm-hmm. you want to try to you want to try to drag that out as long as as you can to make sure. Every buyer is able to make an offer. You're able to pick the best one.
0: Yeah.
1: So don't sell it in four hours. That's not really a win. And don't sell it in four months. That's not a win either. You really like, ideally you want that like two, three days is ideal. Mm-hmm. Less than 10 days. That's your window. In yeah, I love, it.
0: love it. So, well, all Taylor, right. thanks, thanks for being awesome. Thanks for selling my house. And all of you guys who are watching, Thanks for watching The Real Investing Show. Keep following us, watching, um, like, comment, and share. Reach out to us at uh, therealinvestingshow.com. You can contact me, you can contact Taylor, and we look forward to answering your questions.
1: Hey, since this was a real estate, uh, realtor side of things, yeah. for anybody that's in the metro, Oklahoma City metro area, yeah. uh, or if you want to be connected to a great real estate agent in your area, I have a network of other Top performing invest, or investor, real friendly realtors, yeah. and I can connect you. Uh, our buydavis.com, B Y D A V I S.com, and we can take care of you.
0: I love it. And they're the ones that sell our houses. So I recommend highly. Thank you. Blessing. Thanks for watching, guys.